Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. So, in Christology, we study about Jesus. You'd think because Christianity is about Jesus, I mean, he has his name in it. You'd think uh, we wouldn't need to have a special branch to study Jesus. You'd think that everything we do every day, all the singing, all the preaching, all, all of it would be so perhaps Christology. <laughs> but that's not the case. So right now we have the church, there's some a grand degree of confusion because whereas is the author and the finish of our faith, there are other things that have crept in as did the church of Colossae to which Paul was writing. Things had crept in. This was an, a, a church that was abounding and doing well and then as we discovered last week, Epaphras that's another name I hear often nowadays. People have changed the names. They named their children. But Epaphras went to Rome and reported to Paul that they had some problems in Colossae. And those problems that were there then are still with us today. And one of them really, the, the, big, the big one is this. When it ceases to be about Jesus and people come up with all these things where you need to be a certain special kind of person with a special kind of illumination and a special kind of anointing to be able to discern what God is saying. So in other words, you end up with a church where there are those who are supposed to know and those who are supposed not to know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Okay? So that's the situation. And that situation hasn't gone away nowadays. People have relegated the living out of the faith to professionals called pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles, and others. And for them, the idea is as long as your pastor is living out the faith, if your pastor can apply the word to their lives and they're able to get something out of it, for you could as well live in unbelief and just be there. Wait for Sunday. Go, he waves his hand over you. You follow those ends and all the idiots leaves you. And thus far, the results are showing us that that system is not working. It wasn't working in Colossae. It's not working in Kampala. It's not working in Jinja. It's not working in Barara. It's not working in Mukono. It's not working wherever it is that you're watching from. So we have to get back, as Paul was urging the Colossians, to get back to the centricity, the preeminence of Christ. The book of Colossians is the best book among Paul's letters that studies Christology to its core, the preeminence of Christ. And that's what I want us to look at today. From where we ended last week, if you're just joining us, we started a, a series in the book of Colossians. This is week two, and today we are in chapter one, verses 13 to 18 looking at the preeminence of 
Christ. Alright, so what we are seeking to do, what's my vision for today? My vision for today is that by the time we are done here, your mind will be focused on none else but Christ. Not on your pastor, not on your preacher, not on your whatever it is, man or woman of God, but Christ. Christ is your ultimate man of God and is a good one. Verse 13, verse 13 declares, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He has delivered us, my goodness, from the power of darkness. So those of you who are still preoccupied by the devil and being delivered from the devil, if you are a Christian and you're in Christ, you are wasting valuable spiritual energy doing that which was already done because he says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. If Jesus himself has delivered you from the power of darkness, why do you need anybody else to come messing up with what he has already done? He, this is English. I know some of you. So I have to teach English and, and Bible at the same time. Has delivered means the job is done. Tell your neighbor he's preaching good. <laughs> Better get listening. You're going to get something out of this today. Today, today. Today you're going to be delivered. In your thinking, you're going to get something. I'm not communicating just words today. I'm communicating truth past some of your brains straight to your spirit because you need it right there. He says he has delivered us. He has delivered us. My God. So he has delivered us. We get, we get. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. But not only that, he has not only delivered us because some people are so some people are so preoccupied with Jesus' elimination of the negatives, they stopped there. For some people, it was about the forgiveness of sins, etc. They stopped there. Like uh, Kenneth Hagin used to say that some people are so cross-focused. They are so cross-focused, they are cross with everybody. They, they are afraid to go past the cross to understand that there was a resurrection. And whereas the cross was, was the, 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 the ultimate challenge to, to Jesus and the kingdom of God, the, the thing is that there was a resurrection. And the resurrection is the power of God. So he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of Israel. So we've been delivered and conveyed. He not only delivered them, even Israel, he not only delivered them from Egypt. Look, God didn't get Israel from under Pharaoh to leave them in the wilderness. He took them all the way to the promised land. So not only have we been delivered from the power of darkness, we have been conveyed, conveyed. I want you to imagine a conveyor belt. 
a conveyor belt that Jesus took you out from the power of darkness and put you on a conveyor belt and conveyed you into the, God conveyed you into the, into the kingdom of the son of his love. Amen. Amen. So, God does two significant things in the life of the believer. One, it's deliverance from the forces of darkness and sin. So he removes the negatives. So you can no longer walk around posing how you are a serious sinner, whatever it is. But then too, he carries them into. He gives us access to all the good things that the kingdom has to offer. So not only have we been delivered from the power of darkness, we've been conveyed to the kingdom of the son of Israel. Imagine, imagine this, imagine with me. Let me give you an illustration. Imagine a landowner who goes to the slave market and buys a great number of them, a great number of slaves from the slave, the slave drivers. He then takes them home. He cleanses their wounds, heals their wounds. He feeds them, gives them food. He clothes them. And just, he, he takes good care of them. All right, because maybe on their way to that slave market, they were beaten, they were mistreated. Some of them, their friends died in the process. They are broken at it. They don't see any hope. And so they are bought from the slave market. And this guy takes them home. And he's treating them so well. So they are like, ah, oh, there is a what? A cut. We are be all the things that are being done to us is to prepare us for serious work for this guy. So, just when they think it's time for them to repay back the master for his kindness, he tells them that the farm is all theirs. It is theirs. They should take good care of it. The land, the buildings, the animals, the tractors, everything is theirs. They can live off the proceeds of the farm. They can make a living. They can sell things. They can grow their own wealth. They can take care of their own health systems and all of that. They are now heirs, not just servants. Now, that's what I call redemption and inheritance. The point of redemption is inheritance. So not only has he delivered them from the power of darkness, he has conveyed them. Not only has he delivered us, he has also conveyed us to the kingdom of the Son of Islam. Amen. Are you there onlineers? So this is the work that God does in the life of the believer. Not only does he remove the negatives of sin, sickness, death, which he curses, about where you are from. Simanyi, your grandfather did whatever. Who cares? He removes all of that, but he doesn't leave you at zero. And then he says, okay, now, now that I've removed all those negatives, no, 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 no. He gives us an inheritance. Not only does he remove the effects of the curse of the law, he also lands us into the blessing. Now, let me tell you what this looks like. This is the essence of grace as opposed to the law. This is the essence of grace as opposed to the law. The law, what, listen to this. The law prohibits you from committing adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That never grows old, my friend. It is as true today as it was on Mount Sinai those many thousands of years ago. 
So do, do not. But that's as far as the law goes. It tells you to com not commit adultery, but doesn't give you alternatives. So the law tells you, the law prohibits you from co committing adultery, but grace, what does grace do? Grace gives you the capacity to love your wife as Christ loves the church. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That, that's only possible under grace. The law says, don't do it. Grace not only says, you don't have to do it, but here is how to do the right thing. The law forbids you from stealing. Thou shalt not steal. That is as true now as it was thousands of years ago. But grace gives you the power to get wealth. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody's not listening. So you can be a blessing. Can you imagine? The Lord just says, don't steal. Okay, now that I'm not stealing, what next? Just don't steal. That's the law. But grace doesn't end there. Grace says, I have now given you the power to get wealth, that you shall be a blessing. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, although he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That's what grace does. The law forbids you from coveting your neighbor's stuff. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's donkey, let me use that version, <laughs> or whatever. But grace doesn't just forbid you from coveting. Grace teaches you generosity, so that instead of coveting, you are instead giving. You cannot covet that which you are giving. Try giving away a car one day and see if you'll start coveting the same car you gave away. It's impossible. The law prohibits a leprous person from coming into the camp. It says if you're a leper, you have to stay out there. Grace, on the other hand, heals all our diseases. The law tells you the time to clock in and out of work. This is the law. This is where you sign. This is the contract. Arrival is 7.30 a.m. Departure is 5.30 p.m. That's the law. But grace works as unto God. Giving over and above, like he says in Matthew chapter 5, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the difference between grace and the law. So not only has he delivered us, he has conveyed us. This is the work of grace. He delivers us from Egypt. He doesn't leave us on Mount Sinai in the wilderness. Remember the law was given in the wilderness. He takes us all the way into the promised land and he makes all things possible. This, here is a story from a good friend. She, she wrote, this is a story from my Kisha. Kisha sent me the story. It says, being part of worship harvest and discovering week in, week out, how blessed I am in Christ is by far the best news I've ever received. See this conversion from law to grace. She says, seven years ago, I was a normal employee showing up at work at 8 a.m. and leaving at 5 p.m. As long as I completed the small portion of work that was allocated to me, I was good. I wasn't interested in how my work was feeding into the larger picture of the organization. From the time I got to know the grace of God and that I am an agent of God, things have turned around for me. I then started showing up at work at 6.30 a.m. without fail. 
I understand that the assignment that I have at the organization was given to me by God and he accompanies it with perfect health, favor, provision, increase, and the wisdom for execution. I have experienced all these and more. Imagine the transformation that would happen to families, cities, nations, uh, and as people realize that they are carriers of the glory of God. That's my driving force. I grew up clueless about the things of God, but now I have found him. That's what happens when you're not only delivered, but also conveyed. Okay, that, that's the first point I really needed to nail. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us to the kingdom of the son of his love. Verse 14, in whom we have, so the kingdom of the son of his love, that's, that's the, 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 the last bit before you read this part. So this son of his love, he has conveyed us to the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Who? The son of his love. He says in whom we have redemption through his blood. This is heavy and I, I am going to deliver it well so you understand it. So in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. First, first take me to Ephesians 1 7 so that we can correlate this. Ephesians 1 says, says in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What did he say in Colossians? In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Are you seeing the correlation? In other words, redemption is the forgiveness of sins. Now, technically speaking, redemption really is buying back. The, the thing I described about that slave market, that's redemption. You are under the oppression of the tyrant, the devil, this Guy comes in, night in shining armor. He buys you back. Anyway, not like that. He paid with his own life and he bought you back. That's redemption. But redemption is not possible without the forgiveness of sins. For him to do that, he had to first forgive you. Your sins. I know I'm talking to a lot of people right now who are believers in Jesus who have completely failed to understand that you have the forgiveness of sins. But you are going to understand it. Okay. I'm going to show you something. Mr. Uh, for a moment. In whom we have Redemption. You should have come with a mic. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. Okay? Okay. This is a wallet. No. Yeah? Is it mine? No. It is mine. Okay. Now, this wallet has good things. It's true. Okay? Mm. Let's say one of the... When you want to draw an illustration and you're looking for a 5K, <laughs> it and cannot, it's not there, yeah. It's the only good thing, <laughs> Okay, uh, so, mm. this is 50K. Yeah, I Brown see note. Mm, yeah? mm. I have it. Who has it? You have it. I have it. Yeah. Whose is it? It, it currently is mine. It's yours. It is mine. Mm. Okay? How about you come to take it? Okay. 
Eh? Mm. This one can buy at the moment uh, f f 25 kilos of what? Kawunga. Kawunga. <laughs> Kawunga. Tegula wufa. Can't buy wufa. Mm, mm. So, mm. <laughs> I have it. I just want this thing to. No, no, don't, don't rush the summer. Okay, I'm so sorry. Okay? Mm. Then, mm. in my good heart, I'm really inside. Yeah. I get this 50k mm. and uh, for Rio Rio, mm. eh? we are not playing. No, I tell who is playing. You are not going here. to give it back to me after. <laughs> it is not possible, even in the example. Yeah. <laughs> so, B3, mm. there is your 50 mm. ah, no, no. <laughs> Just hold it. Mm. Okay. Mm. Do you have 50,000 shillings? Me? Yes. I have 50,000 shillings. Like in this example, I know you have a lot more than As 50, in yes, I have it. Do you have 50,000 shillings? What kind of question is that? Can't you see it? I have it. Me, uh, uh, eh. I just want to be sure. Yes. I've given you 50,000. It is true. Okay. Let's mm. say you wanted, you needed the 50,000 from me. Mm. For 25 kgs of? Kaunga. Kaunga. Mm. I've given it to you. Mm -hmm. Do you have it? I have it. What do you think would be going on in my mind if you started asking me hmm. for the 50,000 when you have it? Uh, maybe you need to take me for psychological analysis. What does it say there in Colossians 1.14? What does it say after in we? Whom we have. We what? We have. We have. Oh, the forgiveness of sins. Yes. So I can't be asking for forgiveness we of sins. We have redemption through his blood, oh, which is the, the fifth forgiveness of this sins. This one, yes. You have it. I have it. So, why, why, what, why would you start behaving, talking, and living as if you don't have it? Wow. I, I, am, I don't know. I don't okay. know how to answer that question. Because the toughest people to convince oh. that they are forgiven, oh. that they have the forgiveness, are Christians. It's true. I've been at this for 14 years. It is the hardest job ever. Tell a Christian they are blessed. God wants to heal you about what? Favor. He wants to promote you. Even if you go on all the way to the extreme edge of Visa, until you say, okay, cut it, forgiveness. I've understood. You, you can, <laughs> Thank you, you have, so much. You have. Yeah. <laughs> in whom? In whom? In who? In Christ. In Christ. We have. We have. We have. We are in possession of. Of redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Child of God, your sins were forgiven, past, present, and future. You ask me, how can God ask, forgive future sins? How can he not? When he already knows them before you, you commit them. Like, how is he going to have a relationship with you? Your future sins are not future to God. 
Those future sins are not future sins to God. Your future sins that you're going to commit in 2021, whether through ignorance, through weakness, or through your own deliberate fraud, are very present with God right now because he's already there. He feels the pain of your sin, which you will commit next year. He feels it now. So what is he to do with it? What is he to do if he's to have a healthy relationship with you? To forgive it even before it comes. Give me, give me give, this is not in no, notes, but give me give me Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 19-20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 19-20. The, I could end my sermon here today and go to just tell you, child of God. This business of saying coronavirus, Simani God is trying to prove a point to who, whoever, whoever, because of people's sins and rejecting God. You are out of your mind if you think like that. You have not looked at Jesus on the cross. What does it say in verse 19? That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them or to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Not imputing means that he's not counting. You see, sin is stupid. I'll pick Andrew Amaka's statement and put it that way. Sin is stupid. Sin will take you uh, far. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And get you to pay more than you want to pay. Sin is stupid. Absolutely. The worst thing you can ever do with your right mind, filled with the Holy Ghost, as you are, is to go and start sinning. That's idiotic. However, idiotic it is, stupid. He is not imputing your trespasses to you. That is his final position. That's his final decision. I will not impute. I will not count. Imputing is an accounting term. It's balancing of books. You keep going to that kiosk in this lockdown. Keep telling that woman, by the way, I'm going to pay you when we go back to work. You get half a kilo of sugar. You get those scones. You get some kawunga. You get some munyo. What is she supposed to be doing? She writes in a book. Some of you have your own special books at the kiosk. Okay. She is imputing. That's called what? Imputing. Now, when it comes to sin and God, God does not... Have you ever seen a scripture which says that there is a book of sin? God doesn't have a black book. The only book God has in heaven is the book of life. And your names are written in the book of life, not the book of sin. Why are they in the book of life? Why are your names written in the book of life in heaven while you're still here on earth and there's lots of like millions of sins you are yet to commit before you go to heaven, but you already are, are written in the book of life. Why? Because he 
is not imputed. You take salt, they don't write anything. You take kawunga, they don't write anything. You take, then you go at the end of that, kakati banange, we want some more, whatever, uh, but we know we have a debt. And they say, no, you don't have a debt here. Like, no, we have a debt. You don't have a debt here. We've been taking kawunga, we've been, we, you don't have a debt here. Get out of here. What do you want? What more do you want? Why? He's not imputing. Your record is not in the debt book on that shop on your village. Now, as we were seeing, God does one better. He doesn't even just end there because they... they <laughs> so God does something better. He not only, that's what we are saying. He doesn't only deliver you from the lack of payment. He also conveys you. So what God does, instead of you going there and having debts in the book, Yatute, Kawunga, Wufa, what, what? He makes an, a deposit. He makes a deposit, a ridiculously large deposit of money at that shop so that it doesn't matter how much you take out. You will never get it to a negative. Jesus' blood, one drop of the blood of Jesus is capable of wiping out the sins of the whole world in all history and all of the future. One. That's Jesus. He says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.12 Hebrews 9.12, he says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. How many times? Once. Once for all time, for all seasons, for all men, for all sins. There is not some blood for adultery, then some blood for stealing, then some blood for working on the Sabbath. It is the same blood. There is not some blood for Africans, some blood for Americans, some blood for Arabs. It is the same blood. For all people, for all sins, for all time. There is not, there is not some blood has to be applied for 2021. No, 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 no. It's the same blood. Once for all, having obtained, here is the key word, eternal redemption. Remember we said we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So if redemption is the forgiveness of sins and he's saying he has obtained eternal redemption, it means that the forgiveness of sins that you have obtained in order for you to have eternal life is eternal. 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 You see, what you got when you came to Jesus is something we call eternal life. Not interrupted life. If your sin, and I'm saying this not carelessly, because I, I really desperately want you not to sin. But I have to teach you that first that will help you not to sin. If your sin can interrupt the life of Jesus in you, then what you got is not eternal life. Yeah, what you got is not eternal life, and I want you to get eternal life today. <laughs> you see, it's so ridiculous to think that and we haven't even got to the main point of who Jesus really is. But to think that you, 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 that your sin can counterbalance and outweigh 
the sacrifice of the Son of God is really, really an abuse of, 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 of the faith which you came to. It's a lack of understanding of what it is that you came to. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Hebrews 9.15, for those who are still wondering about redemption and transgression, and for this reason, is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. The redemption of the transgressions. There is no way to explain this verse apart from the understanding that redemption is forgiveness for the forgiveness of the transgressions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm, Psalm 103. Psalm 103, 11 to 2. What, 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 11 to 12. It says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, you can't measure that. No one has succeeded. So great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our whose transgressions? Ours. In others, we have them. So far, has removed that translation from us. If you studied geography at all, you will understand that east and west are not locations. You can't measure the distance between east and west. East and west will never meet. They are incapable of meeting. It's a, a frame of thought. It's a metaphor. When he says your transgressions, your sins, he has removed them. Let's say you are in the east. He has taken them to the west. Every time you start moving towards the west and you're coming from the east, the west moves further away from you. Uh, this is good news, especially to sinners. Very bad news to the religious people who have been working all their lives to be impressive to God. But the last time I checked, the market share for sinners is much greater. There are about 2.3 billion Christians of all persuasions. Most of them don't practice their faith. Those who practice their faith are less than a billion. We are 7.5 billion people on the earth. That means that 6 billion plus people need to hear this news. That's why I shall preach this news. I'm not preaching this to the church people. Church people, you can read your own Bibles. You can find this out for yourself. I'm speaking to someone out there who is completely dissatisfied with life. You've tried to fill it with sex, drugs, smokes. You smoke so very incredible stuff. You're trying to be the most high. Your, your royal highness. But you're still dissatisfied. You just don't know that your sins were forgiven. Separated from you. East from the west. And all you need to do is receive this free gift of love. We've preached the gospel badly. The gospel is good news, not good advice. We've turned the gospel to good advice and people don't want to hear it. But if it is as good as we claim it to be, the whole world should be tuning into this channel right now to hear the good news that your failures, and you have some, I know you have some, not a few, your failures, God has looked over your failures and he wants you beyond your failures. Thank you, Jesus. Now, my God, my God. <laughs> 
Colossians 2 13 says, and you being dead in, in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your faith, he has made alive together with him. How? Having forgiven you all trespasses. Past participle. Having forgiven you all. That's the only way you can have it. Let me tell you, you cannot fulfill God's demands. It's impossible. That's why we have Jesus. Look at the beauty of Jesus. Look at what he says in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. This is the person whose blood we are talking about. Because you might be thinking, hey, Jesus, just one man, his blood, they call it a the, No, 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 no. This is not a, not a person. He is the image of the invisible God. He says, he's the firstborn over all creation. Verse 16 says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. This Jesus, this Jesus, all things were created for him and through him. I'll uh, see what he says. He says, he says, he says, he says uh, where am I? This verse 16. Verse 16. My God. Uh, verse 17. Verse 17. It says, and he is before all things. And in him all things consist. So. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Everything here is pointing to Jesus. It's all pointing to Jesus. It's, it's all pointing. Jesus is so big. He's so powerful. Look. If you ever want to have a real relationship with ants, those things that suck sugar, you can't do it. The only way you can have a relationship with those ants is to become an ant. That's what God did. All these commandments in the Old Testament, do this, don't do that, there was no way to, to see. There was no example. So God needed to come and say, okay, let me show you what I would be like if I was a human being. And he came in the person of Jesus, his son. And he, the word, in the beginning, he says, the, the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He says, the same was with God in the beginning. He says, he says the word was God. The word was God. And then he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld, give, give me that verse 14, the word became, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Of grace and truth. In other words, that's what God is. Because he's the image of the Father. 
If Christ, the image, is full of grace and truth, it means that the Father is full of grace and truth. Now, when you are full of something, it means that there is no room left for anything else. Okay. <sighs> Look at Hebrews 1.3. Hebrews 1.3. Talking about this Jesus. Hebrews 1, he's talking about Jesus. He says, who being the brightness of his glory, of whose glory? The Father's glory. And the express image of his person. In other words, if you want to know what God is like, how he speaks, how he behaves, his attitudes, it is just look at Jesus. And upholding all things by the, the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty and I. Purged means completely uh, destroyed. Look at John 14. Philip, 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 Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. So, so even these guys who live with Jesus, they were like, you know what? Yeah, this is the Son, but we want to see the Father. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? How can you say, show us the Father? So, so, when we say he has delivered us and conveyed us, when we say his blood is sufficient, we're not talking about ordinary blood here. We're talking about the creator of the universe, the express image of the Father. He says that for by him all things we are created. This is a very interesting thing. Verse 16. Let's just look at it in a little bit more detail. It says, by him all things we are created that are in heaven and on earth, and he names all of them. Then it says, all created things we are created through him and for him. John 1, 3 says, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Within the Godhead, the creation agency is the sun. He says, he says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he says that the, the, the earth was void and without form and the spirit hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. That, that creative agency when God said let there be light that was Jesus because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was with God in the beginning and says through him all things were made without him was nothing made that was made but here's the fascinating thing so, so he was, all things were made by him through him for him. my friend. This guy is the ultimate boss, my friend. And you'll either bow the knee now or later. Now is better. Because later is not advised. Because this, this, Jesus, 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 all things. 
All things were created. Let, have you ever had doubts about God? I have. I have my baselines. I have the three baselines I go to when I'm starting to wonder in my faith, God, is this thing for real? And the first baseline is creation. Where did this whole thing come from? Don't tell me about magma, busting, what, fire, big bang, what? Even if something banged, the thing that banged, where did it come from? And anyway, how can you, this great building we are in, if you bring a bomb here and explode it, how do you end up with serious organization like we have planets, crops, plants, people falling in love? Like how, you can't forge that. You can't forge that. People falling in love and losing all their airtime and data because what's happening. Let me tell you, Big Bang can't do that. Big Bang can't do that. If, if, if you find the kind of order that you see in creation, just understand that there is definitely a creator. Someone put it this way. If you are to believe that this created world and its order came from an explosion, someone put it this way. They say that's the same thing as believing that you find, the, the, statistically, this is statistics, statistical analysis. That's the same thing as believing that you find a, 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 some junk metal, yeah? And you explode it and you end up with a Rolex watch. <laughs> Statistically speaking. That, that's the same. Mm -mm, Rolex watch, not chapati. So, for me, one of the baselines that reinforces my faith every time I'm in doubt is the origin of creation. There must be a creator. Let me tell you something about this creation we are in. Let me tell you about earth, just earth. Some of you may not have considered some things. The tilt angle of the earth. Do you know that this, uh, the, the earth, the north-south pole that you see, that you see on your geographical things is not the true north-south the true north-south is somewhere else. So the, the, the earth is tilted at an angle of 23.5 degrees. The earth is tilted at 23.5 degrees uh, on its axis. The axis is tilted at 23.5. The angle varies a little over time, but the gravitational pull of the moon prevents it from shifting by more than a degree. If the earth weren't tilted on its axis, there would be no seasons and humanity would suffer. In a world without seasons, there wouldn't even be wheat. Read Rolex. Science think that an earth without a tilt would be stratified into climatic bands that would get progressively colder as you move away from the equator and hotter as you move to the equator. Life would not be very sustainable on earth without the tilt. 23.5 degrees. It wouldn't be. You wouldn't get the rain patterns you have. You wouldn't get the seasons. You wouldn't be able to do agriculture. This planet would be nearly uninhabitable without that tilt. And yet we just strut around whatever smoking in free oxygen and feeding all over the place. Kutiruti ya katunda. Tuli kutiruti ye. 
we are arguing on Twitter and social media. We think we are the greatest thing that ever happened. My friend, if he just brought it back to zero degrees like this, some of you don't even know that. Just tilt. Ocean currents. Ocean currents flow for great distances and together they create the global conveyor belt, which plays a dominant role in determining the climate of many of Earth's regions. Moving heat from the equator towards the poles, ocean currents play an important role in controlling the climate. If ocean currents were to stop, climate could change quite significantly. Temperatures would drop, affecting humans as well as plants and animals. Without ocean currents, we wouldn't be able to live here. Lightning, lightning, some of, lardu, lardu. Huh? Some of you, you, you watch that, you went, and you think, who came up with this whole idea of lightning? You just think it's some, some scare mechanism there. You don't know. Have you ever stopped to think, what, does that, what purpose does lightning serve? There is nothing in this world that doesn't have a significant purpose. Let me tell you what would happen without lightning. Lightning helps the earth maintain electrical balance. Which is electrical balance? This thing, your earth thing, your instrument. Without lightning. A ribabab with higher charge than this end. Yeah, lightning is what helps the earth all have the same electrical charge. The earth is charged, recharged by thunderstorms. The ground has a positive charge, so the positivity charged ground attracts the negative lightning bolt, and when the two meet, it produces a strong electric current. This reaction helps our earth maintain its electrical balance. Without that balance, we're going to click on the socket board. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to Look what else lightning does. Lightning also helps to fertilize plants. Our atmosphere consists about 70% nitrogen. But this nitrogen exists in a form that plant life cannot use. Now, you know plants depend on nitrogen for survival. Did you know that? Yes. So lightning strikes help dissolve this unusable nitrogen in water, which then creates a natural fertilizer that plants can absorb through their roots in the soil. Another interesting fact is that lightning also produces ozone, a vital gas in our atmosphere that helps shield the planet from rays of harmful ultraviolet sunlight. So let me talk about ozone. The ozone layer or ozone shield is a region of the Earth's stratosphere that absorbs most of the sun's ultraviolet radiation, the UV radiation. Ozone is a gas in the atmosphere that protects everything living on the Earth from harmful ultraviolet rays from the sun. Without the layer of ozone in the atmosphere, it would be very difficult for anything to survive on the surface. Without this barrier in place, all of the radiation would reach Earth, damaging the DNA of plants and animals. Within days, the ozone layer's disappearance, many plants and animals would die, and eventually there would be no life on Earth. My friend, that's just a little bit. Go and read more about 
the earth and, and, and all that God has done. I need to conclude. All of that is done by Jesus. He says, he, in him all things consists. In others, he holds all things together. You know what amazed me about that verse is when, without missing a bit, he says, and he is the head of the church. He's the head over the body. That, and he's the head of the body, the church, who is from the beginning. Like, like how can he go from the guy who created the 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 what the the galaxies world world and he's the head of the church. It's like the function of that of that is as great as the other function. Christ being the head of the church is as great a function in his universability in his preeminence as he's creating the universe. Think about that for a moment, and just going back to creation as I finish. God's creation has, there is what we call the pinnacle of creation. The pinnacle of creation. So there's all these created beings. Now, never mind those people who say that there is so many evolution. And here we have human beings. Hmm? Upright like this. Huh? Then the next one isn't. Is some dudes who are on their foes. Huh? And that there is millions of years. So where are the ones in between? Those ones who are almost on force, those ones who can forge some language of sorts. Like, where are all those in-betweens? Yeah, and where are the ones that are more advanced than human beings? Between, between human being and the ape, where are they, those homo whatever? Homo erectus, homo whatever. Where are all those others? What happened to them? Why do you go from human being all the way to animals without the in-between, the subhuman thing? I have my own theories. I don't, I don't know whether they are worthy putting out here when we're online, but I think that these theories of evolution are partly responsible for racism. Because then people classify and they say some people are more developed than other people. That's why those theories are not advanced by Asians or Africans. Yeah, because when people say, no, 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 human beings are advanced, then there is apes, then they are, then they, because they can't find these other missing whatever, they just decide that, no, if your skin is like that, then maybe you should be somewhere along the line. And then some stupid, idiotic Africans embrace those ideas and they start propagating them. They don't know they were designed to treat you subhumanly. Uh, <laughs> I told you. I wasn't so sure you were going to like that. Amen. So he's the head of the body, the church who is from the beginning. So I was telling, let me, before I, I finish with this one, let me tell you about that thing I was telling you about the what? The pinnacle. The pinnacle of God's creation is humanity. We are at the very tip of all his creation, but we are still his creation. Remember all things we are made by him, through him, for him. Timor was made 
by him, for him, through him. Angela was made by him, for him, through him. Say your name on the camera, whatever, whoever your name is back home. Uh -huh, say your name, X, Y, Z. You were made by him, for him, through him. In other words, you will never find rest until you find him. Because going off into your own whatever, when you were created by someone for a certain purpose, doesn't help you. You end up living your whole life with a hole in your heart, not physically, in your spiritual heart. Okay, soul. Just dissatisfaction. You've tried everything. You can eat to feed it. Some people try to do that by eating. Just eat to suppress the emptiness. Others, they drink. Others, they smoke. So it's all solids, liquids, gases. Just <laughs> to suppress the emptiness. And it doesn't work. Why? Find, if you find him who made you and rest in him, please come join me. Let's, let's start winding this up. Then you will find rest. If you find Christ, you'll find rest. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.